I just want to say thanks again to GrowthDay.com for sponsoring this podcast. GrowthDay is a number one self-improvement system. It has all the tools, motivational classes, and life coaching you need to fulfill your potential. If you love journaling, tracking your habits, setting goals, and learning from inspiring motivational speakers and wellness coaches, then you'll love Growth Day. I teach on Growth Day every month, and I love to see you on the app. Go to growthday.com for a free trial. Join 300,000 people making self-improvement a way of life. Visit growthday.com to start your new life with a free trial today. Hey, what's up? This is Trent Shelton. Some people know me as an author, as a speaker, as an athlete. Some people know me as the guy whose videos pop up in their social media feeds. But at the end of the day, I'm simply a man on a mission. I want to help you transform your life using the exact tools I use to transform mine. I won't say I have all the answers, but I will do everything I can to help you find yours. My goal isn't to reach millions. My goal is to reach you. Welcome to Straight Up. Let's get it. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Straight Up Podcast. And today, I have a guest, and y'all know me. I'm only bringing people on this podcast that I know are the real deal, that I know. Just keep it straight up. And this person, this legendary person, is the epitome of that. Uh, I got to meet her. I've been we, we met through social media. We did a live together a few years ago, but I got to meet her in person uh, just a, a few weeks ago. And I got to sit beside her. I got the honor and privilege to sit beside her at dinner. And I was like, man, she is the real deal. And she gave me so much knowledge and just how she just keeps it straight up. And she's a legendary author, best-selling author, The Five Second Rule, now her new book, The High Five Habit, which is going to change your life. And she's so many other things, but I want to go ahead and bring her to the podcast because I don't want to take any time away from her. (laughs) Mrs. Mel Robbins, what's up? Whoa, Trent. Oh my God. I'm so excited to see. I just wish that I were with you. Yeah. I could just squeeze you right through that screen. <laughs> Man, that would be so great if we can do it. But hey, it's you know 2021. This is how we have to do it. And I, listen, I want to jump right into this. And I want to ask Let's you a go. question. Um, yeah. because I know you're so transparent and vulnerable. What is the hardest thing that you have to deal with in your life? Or maybe even recently, because there are a lot of people listening to this podcast right now that they they might listen to us and watch us and think that we have it all figured out. But what they don't know, in order to get the wisdom, you got to have the wound. So I know there's something or some things in your life that you've experienced recently that has led you to a greater version of yourself, that has led you to creating a high five habit. Wow. There's been a lot of things that have been really hard. And I think that when I kind of think about, okay, what's one thing? There's a, you know, especially in this last year, I can think of a lot of things. I can think about a moment when you feel terrified that everything that you've worked for is evaporating in front of your eyes. That happened this year. I can think about betrayal, uh, whether it's by a friend or a family member or, you know, somebody that you really trusted and how painful that is. Uh, I can think about a health diagnosis and learning that you got something in your body that's connected to lymph noma and needing major surgery. I can think about having my business turn upside down. These are all things, by the way, that uh, happened to me this year. 
I can think about uh, being the victim of a wire fraud scan to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. But I'll tell you the hardest thing. And the hardest thing is realizing just how long I've hated myself. Mm. That I have seen a person reflected back to me in the mirror, despite my success, despite all the things that I've done, despite the fact that I've tried to be a good person. I think the hardest thing is the realization of just for how long, Trent, I have been my own worst enemy. I have beaten myself up. I have seen somebody that I only see what's wrong with me or the faults or the things that I don't like. And the realization that I have done that for so long to myself, I think is the most kind of painful thing <laughs> that I've gone through. Like the sadness that I feel knowing that despite how busy I've been and how productive I've been and how much I've built in my life, that I did it in spite of this just relentless beat down in my mind. What is it that you hold on to? Because I can relate to that. I mean, this year was the hardest year of my life. And when you have a platform and, you know, you pour into so many people and so many people depend on your, your impact, your words, your, your coaching, um, just you in general. And it's so hard to show up for the people because you can't show up for yourself because you, like you say, you look in the mirror and you see imperfection, you look in the mirror, and you see flaws. You look in the mirror, you see pain and you're trying to smile for the camera, but you're dying behind the scenes. So I'm curious, what does Mel Robbins hold on to? Like when those feelings, and you talk about this in the book and I talk about facts over feelings so many times when those feelings are, feelings are real, but feelings aren't always right. So when those feelings of you're not enough, when those feelings of betrayal, when those feelings of all these things, the people love me, am I making an impact and am I value? When you feel all those things, because we feel it. What's the thing that you hold on to that gets you out of that, that space, that emotional space? So there's this something that I write about in the book, and I, I know you have a version of the same thing. And I started uh, saying this phrase to myself about four years ago when I had poured my entire life into a book launch for the five-second rule, and it started to fail. And what's interesting about your mind, you say facts over feelings is that when your feelings rocket through your body and you start to get stressed out or go on edge or feel like life is, is just punching you in the face, the problem is the second that you get stressed out about something in your nervous system, your mind skews the whole world and all the facts that you see start to seem like everything isn't going to work out. And so your whole attitude can take you negative. So this past year, and I'd say for the past five years, every time life has dealt me a blow, and it's going to happen, like it, nobody's immune to this stuff, I would repeat this thing to myself all the time, Trent. And it's grounded in faith, and it's grounded in what I call a high five attitude, and it's this. There is no way that if I've worked this hard, that something amazing isn't going to happen yet. Like mm. I, I would literally just say, there's no way that if you've worked this hard, that it's not going to lead to somewhere amazing. And then I would start to add in, this moment is preparing me. <laughs> this moment is giving me a person or a skill or an experience. And oftentimes it's an experience I don't want. 
I mean, you know this. Absolutely. You don't want to lose the people that you love. You don't want your your kids to be in the the ICU. You don't want to lose everything that you've worked for. You don't want somebody that you really trusted to turn around and stag you in the back in a painful way. You don't want any of these things. And yet when you stand in those moments and you say, this moment is preparing me for something. See, I never liked that phrase, life is happening for me, because in those moments where it blows, I don't want to, I can't even receive that it's happening for me. Mm. But if I flip it into it's preparing me for something, and I say it's given me a skill, it's given me an experience, it's given me wisdom, it's given me a person, it's given me something I'm going to need for something amazing that hasn't happened yet. And what happens when I say that to myself on repeat is it's like flipping a switch inside of you. And what happens is the, the, the horrible thing you're dealing with does not disappear. Like it will not change the fact that you've lost somebody that you loved or that you're going through this horrendous thing in your business or that you have this health scare. It doesn't change that. It changes something inside of you. It taps into this sort of sense of faith and this sense of resilience and this sense of optimism that when this all plays out, you will still be standing. And you're not only going to be okay, but you're going to be stronger and you're going to be wiser and you're going to now be in a position to use this thing that you didn't want, that you probably didn't deserve, but in some karmic strange way, it's all part of the puzzle of your life that adds up and prepares you mm. for something in the future that is amazing. Oh my gosh. There's people listening to this right now that it's not just speaking to their heart, it's speaking into my heart because there's times in your journey where you're going through a situation. And I just talked about this last night on my live mail. I told people, you know, a lot of our prayers are for certain positions in our life. A lot of our prayers are for healing. A lot of our prayers for growth. A lot of our prayers are for change. And the thing that we don't realize is that in order to get to those positions, there's a process. And also, and oftentimes that process isn't beautiful. That process of healing isn't sunshine and rainbows. You know, sometimes it's the tears that water your dreams, that water your vision, that waters your healing. And so by you saying that, I mean, it's beautiful because there's people in this world that thinks that everything is supposed to be easy. Everything is supposed to be, oh, if I'm going through this, then, you know, you can't have the wisdom without the wounds. You wouldn't be Mel Robbins writing two legendary books, speaking on stages across the world if you didn't have your wounds, but you turn those wounds into wisdom. I want to transition for a moment right now because there's something sure. that I read in your book and I believe it was your daughter or your son with the blue hair. It was <laughs> my son. Your son. Blue yep. hair. And I've done this with my kids and it's kind of, we want to protect them. We want to shield them from, you know, the opinions. We want to shield them from the world, the hurt, the criticisms. And just talk about that moment for yourself because I believe and. I'm big on self-worth and I believe one of the key elements and it's, oh man, it's so perfect in your books. I was like clapping, saying amen, <laughs> is the magic word acceptance. Like when you really look in yeah. the mirror and you accept yourself. So tell us about that situation. Yeah, you got it. You know, at the end of the day, that's what everything that I'm talking about these days is about. It's the ability to look at yourself in the mirror. And regardless of where you are, regardless of the body you have, regardless of the number that's on the scale, 
or the number in the bank account or whatever it is that you're trying to measure on the outside, you have the ability to be able to teach yourself how to see the human being in the mirror and accept them exactly as they are and exactly as they're not. And so the story, which is not a highlight parenting moment, <laughs> you know, one of these moments that I, yeah, oh yeah, we do. Um, my, our son is a huge fan of the video gamer Ninja. And when he was uh, in the seventh grade, he dyed his hair blue. Just the tips of it. It looked super cool. And it became this thing where we would go to the hair salon, we'd bleach it, we'd then dye the tips. It's like a whole thing. And it was really like part of who he was. And then all of a sudden, he was going to change schools. And he had had a really rough road at school. He had been in the public school for a while. And then we found out he had dyslexia. So then he had gone to this school that does nothing but help kids with dyslexia. And he had been there for three years and then that school was ending. And so he was going to go back into now a real small private school that could also help him with uh, dyslexia and kind of the learning style stuff that he has. And I started to realize, Trent, as it was getting near to school starting, I was getting nervous about him walking into that school and being the kid with blue hair. Mm. Now, I loved his hair. Right. But I was worried that the other kids would pick on him. And given that he had had such a hard time, I wanted to give him the best kind of chance to kind of do okay in school with, with kids socially. And so I literally started saying to the kid, Oakley, you think you want to cut your uh, hair before school? He's like, nah. And then the next day, hey, Oak, have you ever thought about maybe like cutting those blue tips out of your head? Nah, nope, I like it a lot. It's pretty cool. I'm like, you sure? Like, do you think, like, what do you think? What are you going to say if the other? And then I started to coach him. What would you say if the other kids say something? And he's like, why would I care? Like, he literally accepted himself. Hmm. So then as we got closer and closer, his older sisters parted to pile on. You know, Oak, it's not like you're a star lacrosse player. I mean, you're really <laughs> going to roll into this new school with the green hair or the blue hair, and you're going to be the gamer? Like, that's what you're going to... Like, and so all of it, by the way, was completely driven by a fear that he would get picked on. And he finally caved and came to me one day and said, you know, you know, we can go get my haircut. We, not I want to, but we can go get my haircut. And upon reflecting on it, I've come to realize that this is a simple example of how we all learn the habit of rejecting ourselves. Mm. Because what I was basically communicating to my son is, I will like you if you conform to the version of you that I want. And I was also communicating to him that you can't handle it if somebody doesn't accept who you are for who you are. So you better cut those blue tips off so that other people will accept you. And I think it's a simple example because your whole life, like you don't, you're not born rejecting yourself. You're born loving yourself. You're born looking at a mirror and smiling and kissing it and waving and twirling. Yeah, right? It's life. It's life that turns your brain into that sorting hat from Harry Potter where you literally walk through your life and you scan everybody around you. I think it starts probably around second or third grade when you are walking into that cafeteria and looking around and going, okay, can't sit with those kids because they're the sports kids. Can't sit with those kids because they don't wear those kind of clothes. Can't. You start to see the world in places that you belong and places that you don't. And then you make a major mistake. We all do it. 
It's, it's, it's just a need for survival. You just want to fit in. And so you start to reject parts of yourself in order to make your mom happy or in order to get your sisters off your back or in order to make sure that the new kids at your new school actually are kind to you. And the fact is that we do it over and over and over and over and over in so many ways, Trent, that as an adult, you now stand in front of the mirror. And this, this statistic is mind-blowing. 50% of people cannot look themselves in the mirror because they do not like the body or the face or the person that they see. That's men and women. Now, we know 91% of women don't like how they look, but the self-loathing and the self-rejection and the self-criticism runs so deep for most of us because we have been doing it for so long, we don't even realize the extent to which we can't even be with who we are and where we are right now. Oh my gosh. Like it's I got so sad. I gotta just let that breathe for a moment because there's so many people that I know listen to this in this moment that have disqualified themselves, that have discredited themselves based upon how they look. Maybe they don't fit in. I mean, even for yourself, I'm sure, you know, you being a minority in the, as a woman in the personal development space. I mean, I can say stories of myself being who I am in the personal development space and mm -hmm. not dressing a certain type of way, not looking a certain type of way. And for so long, people were telling me to change, change, change. And there was a brief moment where I did a little bit, but I was disconnected from my power because I believe your power is when you fully accept yourself. And there's a quote in your book. I believe it's a, I forgot her name, but she shared it with you about the high five habit, which we're about to talk about in a second. But it said, and I'm paraphrasing, that self-love is often taught in this world about fixing yourself, right? So many people look on social media. We live in a perfection world, right? Everything is perfect, picture perfect. And it's about fixing yourself. It's about comparison. But that's not what self-love is really about. Self-love is really about what you just talked about, fully accepting yourself and owning yourself and owning everything in it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't change who you are for the better. But if we don't fully accept where we're at, there's no way we can go on an authentic journey of change and growth in our life. I, I want to talk about that one habit that can change the person's <laughs> life. Incredible, dude. That's it's listening incredible. to this right now that might be dealing with self-doubt, uh, self-sabotage, low self-esteem that can't look in the mirror, right? That's part of that 50% or 91% that can't look in the mirror because all they see is pain, hurt. All they see is not good enough, which I want to talk about that too. What is this habit and how can this habit change the person's life? Let's listen to this right now. Yeah, this is the most profound thing I've ever discovered. Straight up. Like this is going to be, this is going to change the lives of millions of people. And it's going to sound really stupid when I first tell you about it. And the majority of you are going to kind of roll your eyes, even though you listen to Trent. And even <laughs> though you're, you're like dying to change your life, you're going to literally say to yourself, come on, Mel Robbins. The, the, my problems are so big. This is not going to work. And I'm here to tell you, it's simple. And what's really profound about it is all of the programming and science is already in your mind, body, and spirit. And that's why this high five habit works. And so the high five habit is really dead simple. All you're going to do is every morning when you are brushing your teeth, when you're done brushing your teeth, because we got to get the gunk out of your mouth. We don't want to spread that dragon <laughs> breath all over the place, people. We are then going to practice the high five habit because we want to get all that gunk out of your mind, body, and spirit so that you begin your day 
grounded in the power that Trent is talking about of being connected to yourself and send yourself into your day the way that your favorite athletes begin the game that they're playing. Because life is one big game. It's a long journey. And you don't ever see your favorite team stand in a huddle and go, hey, Trent, you suck. And I'm really disappointed in you. And uh, I think today's going to really blow. And there's no way we're going to... Like, that's not how you start a game. You literally stand together and you set an intention to show up for each other and to be your best and to and to actually get out there and go for it. And no matter how challenging or whether you're the underdog or what your record looks like, in that moment, we set an intention to be present and to go out there and to show up for ourselves and each other. And then we seal it with a high five. That is what we are doing. And we're going to do this for you. What, what, what you, you literally, like, I know when you're like, oh my gosh. So what just came up for you with that? It, it, it's groundbreaking because I just think about like, why do we give high fives in sports? Like, why do we do it? You know, like, I don't, I don't know if like who came up with that, but it's, it's, and you're explaining this perfectly because it's power in that high five. And, you know, from a sports perspective, what you just said is, is incredible because I always say life, this game of life, right? Life is a game of life that for some people it goes great. For some people you're down. So some people it's unfair. Some people you're crushing it, but life is this game of life. And every single day is a different game. And when I look in the mirror to be totally transparent and straight up, there's days where I'm my biggest opponent, right? It's not mm -hmm. the hater. It's not the external things that we often think it's me. Cause I look in the mirror and I tell myself like, man, I'm not enough, or I compare my life, or, or this, and I'm that, and that creates the momentum, which is so important in sports, the magical, like, special force. That creates the negative momentum throughout my day. But when I start my day off looking in the mirror, being my greatest teammate, and I say, you know what? You are enough. You know what? Make the world respect your greatness today. I operate like that. And so this is groundbreaking. When you said... Like this could be the because the five four three two one the five second rule like I was like that's super simple but I was like it's super powerful and I use that even with my family and my son to this day so for this to be bigger than that that is in, in, incredible. Well, I think it's way bigger because it strikes down to the core mm. of what's actually not working. And you said make the world. What did you say about make the world respect? Say yeah, that again. So I always say make the world. I look in the mirror. Make the world respect your greatness. Yeah, and here's the thing I want everybody to understand. Trent respects his own greatness. When you raise your hand and you high-five your reflection in the mirror, it is a demonstration that you respect yourself. Mm. And see, if you can start your day demonstrating that you respect yourself, that you love yourself, that you got your own back, when you get out into the world, if somebody else disrespects you, it cannot and will not change the fact that you still respect yourself. Yes. If somebody else treats you like you're not worthy, it does not change the fact that you still believe you are worthy because you demonstrated it this morning in the mirror with yourself. If somebody says, I don't love you, or they no longer act like a friend, it does not change the fact that you still love yourself because you demonstrated it to yourself in this habit every morning. And so it is a way, it's the how you bring the power back to yourself. You also talked about momentum in sports. 
if you have a teammate whose attitude goes down, let's say that they, you know, miss the field goal, they miss the 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 shot, they they blow the play. If their attitude tanks, there's something called emotional contagion. When somebody's mindset goes either super positive or super negative, they infect everybody. And so what do you do? You tend to pull them back into a huddle, a moment of intention, and you seal that intention to shake it off. I still believe in you. We're still going forward. And so, you know, here's how the high five habit's going to work. After you brush your teeth, because I want to stack it with the habit of brushing your teeth to make this part of your practice every day, we are going to practice the high five habit every morning. And what you're going to do is you're going to stand there. And this is the really trippy part of the whole thing. I never realized until I started doing this, Trent, that there's always two human beings in the bathroom every morning. There's you and there's the human being in the mirror. And that human being is trying so hard and they are so beaten down and they need you to wake up and see that they need your support and they need your encouragement and they need you to stop picking them apart and they need you to stop focusing on the negative. And I believe that when you practice this just for literally five days, you stop seeing the face and the body, and you actually see your spirit and your soul. And when you go to raise your hand to your own reflection, there's a couple things that are going to happen. Um, and this has now been documented because we've now got, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people who have tried this. You either have a super positive or a very negative reaction to doing this. Okay. And I want you to know that it's going to feel weird. And the reason why it's going to feel weird when you go to do it is because you have a habit right now that's really ugly that you don't realize that you have. You see, nobody talks about the fact that part of everybody's morning routine is that moment in the mirror where you either look away because you can't stand the way that you look or you can't stand the things that you've done in your life and you haven't forgiven yourself yet or you look at all the things that have been done to you and you see a human being in the mirror that you believe is damaged or not good enough because all that stuff that is not even something that you're responsible for, you survived it. You'd, you, you'd, you would, by the way, forgive Trent or forgive me for some of the stuff that you've done, whether you've hurt people or been addicted to stuff or squandered opportunity or hurt yourself, but you can't forgive yourself. And so you're going to feel weird because every morning you have a habit of rejecting yourself or picking yourself apart. And when you go to do the high five, it's the opposite of that. So it's a new neural pathway. It's going to feel weird, so expect it. Second thing is, is that you're either going to have positive or negative reaction. And the positive reaction, as you go to raise your hand, you'll start laughing or smiling and you'll feel really corny. And I can explain why that happens. When somebody else high fives you, your brain gives you a drip of dopamine. Your brain doesn't know the difference between a high five to somebody else or a high five to yourself in the mirror. So your brain just does what it always does when you high five, whether it's to somebody else or to you. First of all, it sees the high five coming, so it shuts off your mind and you feel the dopamine mood boost. And secondly, your mind goes silent because your mind already has programming connected to the high five. So it taps into the programming that's already always there. This is the coolest part, Trent. The stuff that we're going to have work for you is already in your brain. We're just going to point it at you. That's all we're doing. So you've never high-fived somebody and thought, I hate you, or I hope you lose, or I can't forgive you. It is neurologically impossible for you to think those things because of your lifetime of experience high-fiving other people. 
So when you go to high five yourself, even if there's stuff you haven't forgiven yourself for, you're actually subconsciously saying, I believe in you. I still have your back. I'm still encouraging you. Keep going. We can do this. That's what you're saying. And over time, very quickly, it starts to actually infuse with your own reflection. And so you might laugh, that's the dopamine, but a lot of people actually burst into tears. And they burst into tears in a very positive way because it's this emotional release that you feel when you finally come home. When you finally, you know, I like get so choked up thinking about this because the stories that we're hearing are just so moving about people who really have given up on themselves, who have let themselves go, who have stopped really taking care of themselves, who have stayed in terrible jobs, stayed in terrible relationships, and just this simple high five is starting to let the light back in. It's making somebody realize that, you know, they can come back home to themselves. They can reconnect to that power, that source power that you're talking about, Trent. It's a deeply spiritual experience for many, many people. But in terms of the negative side of this, the resistance is very sad because the resistance is your past. It's all the things that have been done to you, whether it's poverty or discrimination or violence or trauma or abuse or heartache and things you're not responsible for, but that, you know, you stack like evidence up and you say, that's all evidence that I'm damaged or I'm not lovable or it's never going to work out for me. Or you bring in all the things that you regret. Again, things that you would forgive Trent for doing or forgive Mel Robbins for doing, but you refuse to forgive yourself. And that's what the resistance is. The resistance is also something else. And you're going to relate to this as somebody as successful as you are, and also somebody that is as driven you are, and also somebody that was a you know professional athlete. And that is most of us have married our sense of being lovable or worthy with whether or not we're achieving something that is lovable or worthy. So if you haven't reach the goal weight, or you haven't launched that business, or you didn't reach the bestseller list, or you didn't, uh, you didn't have the million dollars in the bank, or you don't drive the range, or you're not still on the pro team, or you, what, you're not married, you don't have, whatever it is, the external thing, you've made the mistake of thinking it's the stuff that makes you worthy of celebration and support. When in reality, it's the opposite. You need celebration and support to take the actions and to feel what you said about sports, the momentum and the motivation that a high five causes, the energy shift in that. You need that right now in order to pivot, in order to keep going, in order to do the actions and put in the work that helps you achieve those things that you so desire. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Uh, man, I, I feel selfish right now because I, I'm just, I feel like I'm just getting a life, a life coaching <laughs> session. I forget that we're on a podcast right now. So, but that's, that's the most beautiful episodes. And what did you get? What did you get from that? Uh, so much because I related to when you talked about, I like to say I have a lot of performance anxiety because my mm. whole entire life, my, my worth was based upon my performance playing sports, if I didn't have a certain amount of yards, I didn't have a good game. If I didn't do a certain amount of things, then I wasn't worthy enough. And for so long in my life, and I know there's a, millions of listeners and people in the world that, that struggle with this too. For so long in my life, I tied my worth to everything external. 
I tied my worth to something that I really couldn't control. I tied my worth to how people saw me, how people loved me, how people supported me. And I feel like when you do that, you're giving your power away and you're putting your power in the hands of, I call it just chance, like how people feel about you. There was something in the book too that ties into this. And I want to just know if the high five habit helps this because I forgot how you named it, but it was about the things that we go through emotionally, right? Our emotional needs. And Mm. a lot of us, right? We want to be seen when we feel Mm -hmm. invisible. We want to be loved. We want to feel worthy. My question is, how can we control feeling that from other people? No matter how much- You can. That's why you need to learn how to give that to yourself. You know, there's this famous story that uh, Oprah Winfrey told about one of the things that she learned in hosting her legendary talk show for all those years. And she said that there's one thing that every human being does, no matter who they are when I interview them. It could be the president of the United States. It could be a convicted killer. It could be somebody that uh, got in a terrible car accident and the accident killed their three best friends and they were the driver. It could be somebody that is a Grammy award-winning artist, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, an NFL player. It could be anybody. Every human being at the end of the interview, cameras turn off, they all do the same thing. They would all lean toward Oprah and go, how'd I do? Was that okay? And they are seeking from her, the reassurance, they want to be seen. They want to be told that they did okay. They want to be encouraged that that was okay. And what I'm here to tell you is we all have that deep need to be seen, to be heard, and to be basically celebrated for the unique individual that we are. And this is true across every area of your life. Like I don't, you know, the research shows and everybody knows this based on common sense. Nobody leaves a job, they leave a boss. And they leave a boss because you work for somebody that does not make you feel appreciated. You feel invisible at work. You don't feel like anybody understands you. You don't feel like anybody is encouraging you. That's why people leave jobs. That's why marriages end. That's why friendships end. This is foundational. And what I'm here to tell you is, of course, other people should encourage you. Of course, other people should celebrate you. But as Trent, you so beautifully said, when you leave it to chance, when you put your worth in the hands of achievement or other people, number one, you're always going to be chasing it. And it's why it doesn't matter how many yards you rushed or how many uh, accolades you accumulated, because the second you beat your all-time record for that, You've achieved it, and now you got to achieve more. It's never enough. It's never enough because your worth is outside of you. If you can stand in front of yourself, and I love this, and you know, my husband Chris, who you know, he adores you, Trent. He um, he has no problem with me telling the story because it's in service of people. He's been struggling profoundly with depression, and. What's interesting is when I first started doing this high five habit in April of 2020, as my whole life was turning upside down like everybody else's was during the pandemic and my business was going through a massive shakeup. And then it was like, boom, 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 one thing after another, kids having anxiety, dad has a terrible test result. I got to have surgery. You know, like, uh, how am I going to make payroll? But boom, boom, boom. I remember... 
Chris saying to me, I was like, you should really try this. And he looks at me, he's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, Mel. And I said to him, do you know why it's stupid? I said, you think it's stupid because you don't think you deserve a high five. That's the hole you live in. And sure enough, what Chris has discovered using this, and you know, keep in mind, this is a guy who is leading this incredible men's retreat called Soul Degree. He is a certified yoga instructor and teaches yoga. He is a certified Buddhist meditation instructor and teaches meditation. He's had a meditation and a yoga practice for more than seven years. Every morning he meditates, he exercises every day, he eats clean. The man is doing everything you're supposed to be doing. And it has profoundly helped. He's in therapy, all of it. But here's what those things didn't help. They didn't help the deep sense of self-hatred and judgment that Chris was living with deep inside. You see, seven years ago, for those of you that know my origin story, I'll keep it very short. My husband had been in the restaurant business. And, you know, all I need to say is restaurant business. And everybody goes, oh, boy, because only one percent of them make it past four years. And they had a great run of it for seven years. It was terrifying at times. We ended the business $800,000 in debt. Um, It was interesting, Trent, because his business partner left the business when it ended and was like, hey, I'm proud of what we did. Mm. Restaurant business is hard. Like I worked my tail off. We built a great brand. We were amazing bosses. Did we return the profit to our investors that we wanted to? No, but I'm proud of what we did. And I felt the same way. I was like, I'm so proud of you guys. And thank God we had all those troubles. I never would have discovered the five second rule. Having gone through that wound, I would never have that wisdom. Mm. Having gone through the crushing debt, not being able to pay for groceries and being pinned to my bed in anxiety and hating on Chris, I never would have felt like I never would have discovered. Like I, I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of all of us. Chris did not have that experience. Chris left that business trend and felt like a failed man in the traditional gender role. He had failed. He had not only not provided for his family, he had nearly bankrupted us. When he stood in front of that mirror for the last seven years, I didn't even know how deep this ran, Trent, until I started working on this book and researching it. He saw a failure. That's how he started his day. Not even being able to really look himself in the eye because all he could see was a man who had failed, who had failed to provide, who had failed to be successful in his career. And that, of course, colored the entire way that he viewed his whole life. If he were coaching our kids' soccer team and lacrosse team, something he had always dreamt of doing, having the flexibility and the ability to be there with our kids because his dad never was, he couldn't live and stand in the, the, the insane, amazing honor that you got that time. He would be focused on the dude across the field, pacing back and forth in a suit on a cell phone clearly on a work call, stressed out, not even watching their kid's game, by the way. And he would be thinking, see, that should be me. Or he would be proud of me, but he would be thinking, I'm such a loser. My wife is the one out there building the business that I should have been building, just pile drying, driving himself. And the high five habit, it was hard for him in the beginning because he's like, if I am failed this much, if I think this low of myself, why on earth would I high five that person that did all that? I'll tell you why. Because you need to forgive yourself. Because you need to encourage yourself. You need to support yourself right now. The high five doesn't erase what happened in the restaurant business. What it does is it says, I get it. 
that was hard. And I still love you. And I'm still cheering for you. And I still see you. And I still believe in you. Now get your ass out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and change this and become better and heal. Like how is being hard on yourself helping you? How is not forgiving yourself helping you? I can relate. I know everybody can relate to that because what you just explained is giving yourself freedom. And freedom comes with acceptance. It comes with ownership. It comes with forgiveness. Forgiveness is freedom. And you're right. I mean, it's almost easier to forgive others than it is to forgive yourself. And um, I'm proud. You know, and just meeting Chris, I'm proud of him. Like just even hearing the story, like I'm super proud of him for doing that. And what's even more beautiful, Mel, is that the high five habit changed your immediate life your household. Oh my God. You know, it started there. And I think it's so beautiful because it's so authentic and you saw the change there that you want to bring to the world. And that's why it's so beautiful. And I know you have tons of interviews today and things to do and we got, we got to wrap it up, but I, I want to ask you before yeah. we introduce what we have, what you have going on. that's so powerful for people. I want to ask you two quick questions. The first question yeah. is how does Mel Robbins measure her life? And what I mean by that is that, you know, as we talked about, there's so much performance that can determine our worth. How do you disconnect from all of these things externally and, and connect with yourself internally? So like, do you have a measuring stick mm. to say, man, if I'm, as long as I'm doing this and this and this, I'm good. Like, what's that for you? I'm just curious. That's a beautiful question. Well, I'll tell you what it used to be. It used to be all that crap outside of me. Mm. And that's why I was running around like a lunatic and addicted to being busy because I equated being busy with being successful and I equated being successful with being lovable. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of my success was driven by this deep desire to need to feel loved. I was trying to prove to myself that I was worthy of it because I had felt for so long that I wasn't. And how I measure it now is two ways. When I look at the human being in the mirror every single morning, do I see somebody that I love? It's that simple. And it's not like arrogance and it's not conceited. It's really more kind of grounded in compassion. And what's so fascinating about doing the high five habit, um, because again, you know, all the programming is in your mind, is I've been practicing it now for more than a year. I actually don't even have to high five myself. I still do. But it has fundamentally rebooted my entire brain. I don't even see a body or a face, Trent. Like I have an experience every single morning and it's the craziest, deepest, most spiritual divine feeling that I've never experienced in my entire adult life. You know how when you're about to go walk into a cafe and have a cup of tea or a beer or something with a really good friend, you know, a cup of coffee, you just really like this person and you're about to walk in there. What do you feel? You feel excitement. You feel fulfilled. You feel happy. You feel joy. I'll tell you what, by day two of practicing the high five habit and pushing through the weirdness and the resistance, I actually felt that about seeing myself, the human being, Mel Robbins. I had never experienced that in my adult life. Like I'd been excited to see an outfit or excited to see a haircut, but to, excited to see the human being, Mel Robbins? I mean, no. And so if I can feel that, if I can look at the human being that's staring back at me and feel a sense of love and compassion, 
and know that I'm rooting for that person. That is how I measure it. And the second thing is, um, it's all about the impact, mm. all about the impact. Like if I can do one thing, if it's even just making a stranger smile, if it's even like your dog, I love that your dog's here with us. If I can make my yeah. dog happy, <laughs> you know, if I can like do something to lift up another person, there's just been so much negative energy lately. I just, that is a life well lived. It's really that simple. Would you say, because my second question leads into, well, you pretty much answered it, but would you say, well, Asher, what does fulfillment mean to you? Are you fulfilled? And maybe two senses, if you can, or one, or you can talk as long as you want, but what does fulfillment <laughs> <laughs> mean to you? Because I feel like fulfillment is the greatest success. You know, I always talk about peace and fulfillment to me is true success. And I just, mm. I think fulfillment works off of, for myself. Like it doesn't matter what's happening externally. As long as I feel fulfilled, I'm good. As long as I have peace, I'm good. And there's times in my life where I had everything and I still had nothing. And there's times in my life where I had nothing and I felt like I still had everything. So what does fulfillment mean to you? Well, I love that part that you just said that you had nothing, but you felt like you had everything. Yeah. I think fulfillment, it's a really interesting question. I've never actually thought about it because, you know, you even think about the word fulfillment and it feels like you got to fill something up, right? Yeah. And I love what you said about peace. And I think a lot about freedom. And I think a very fulfilling life is one where you are content exactly where you are and where you're not. And that, yeah, there's still stuff to do. But the more that I'm able to slow down my mind a little bit, and actually be where my feet are and be present and um, non-judgmental of myself, the more I open up to kind of the magic and amazing vibes that are available to you. It's like kind of divine, honestly, that, you know, we've been, I've spent my whole life chasing things or running from things. And one of the blessings of the quarantine was that I was forced to slow down. Like there was no target to run to. There was no coffee shop I could meet a friend at. It was me and the woman in the mirror with nowhere to go and nothing to prove. And I, in getting quiet and slowing down, had to come face to face with the reality, and this brings us full circle, that I actually hated the woman I saw in the mirror, that I judged her, that nothing was ever enough, that I focused on all the things that I had done in my past, and boy, were there a lot of them that I deeply regretted. And it was in slowing down and learning how to forgive myself and learning how to forgive and have compassion for others and learning how to really just recognize that the real secret here, everybody, is being able to bring your need for love and your need for validation and your need for encouragement, which is the fundamental human need, all of it, you need it, back in-house and fill it up for myself. I learned that you can then step out into the world and into your life and into every relationship feeling fulfilled emotionally, spiritually by your own love and validation. And that has a ripple effect through everything that you do. Mel, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your heart. Um, thank you for your vulnerability, your transparency. And thank you for impacting not just the world, but my life. Yeah, you know, from afar for so long and now from a near, I truly appreciate you. And before we wrap up this episode, you have something special going on right now called the High Five Challenge, which I'm sure a part do. of. Can you explain it real yes, quick? Yes, you are. 
uh, explain yes, where can. people can Trent get the and book. I have teamed up. You got it. Well, forget the book. Let's talk yeah. about the challenge. Okay, cool. You can buy the book anywhere. Oh, and I'm also reading the book for free, by the way, cover to cover awesome. on my social media channels. Social media? Yes. Tap yeah, in, so y'all. just check out our social media channels. We are going cover to cover every day a little bit. Going to read it to you because if you can't afford to buy the book, I still want you to have all the tools. And thank you, Trent, for inviting me on because I love you. I admire you. I love straight up you are. <laughs> thank um, you. I, I am jealous. I'm going to go here. I'm a jealous of your ability to string words together like a poet. It is unbelievable how you have this gift of all your words sort of relate to each other. I'm like, how does he do that? The tears you cry are watering your dreams. What is up with that? That is unbelievable. So I love that about you. You make me a better person. I love our friendship. And thank you for actually allowing me to come on your your platform and share this with your audience so we can reach more people. But the High Five Challenge. So Trent and I have teamed up with all of our buddies. This is the coolest thing. It is created by us. It's powered by you. It's mm. a five-day free challenge. It's 15 minutes a day. It is coaching. It is inspiring folks like Trent. You're going to see his face in there because we shot a little video with him. And you're going to also see... Uh, hundreds of thousands of other people cheering you on. And it's very simple. We're going to help you break through fear and self-doubt. We're going to encourage and celebrate you for five days in a row. You get access to Growth Day, our friend Brendan Burchard's uh, number one personal development app. That's only 300 bucks, guys, a month. We're going to give it to you for free for five days so that you can get the tools you need. And uh, we're going to rocket you so high, you are going to need a parachute to get back down to earth. That's mm. what's going to happen. So get into the High Five Challenge. Get in. It is going on right now. You are not too late. You will never be too late because even when we're done doing it, we are going to turn it on for free forever so people anywhere can bump into it. Bring all your friends. Bring your colleagues. Trent is going to give you the link. He's going to hook you up. So get the link that Trent has in the show notes, okay? Right. And get your butt in there so we can celebrate you. Awesome, y'all. Join the challenge. It's incredible. Like Mel said, everything will be in the show notes. Make sure you follow Mel on all so social media sites. I mean, she's phenomenal. I could brag for, you know, 30 years on, on Mel. But she just got to experience her heart. Thank you, Mel, for being straight up. I appreciate you. And go get the high five habit. It will change your life. Straight Up is hosted and recorded by me, Trent Shelton. The episodes are mixed and edited by Andrew Weller. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Straight Up with Trent Shelton is a production of The Hollis Company. Hey, I want to make sure you got my phone number. Like, for real, for real. No kidding. Did you even know that I have a community text number? And if you don't, where have you been? So go ahead, take out your pen and paper, or take out your phone, and write this number down. My phone number is 817-242, yep, 2719. I'm going to repeat it for you, 817-242-2719. People always ask, Trent, how did you get that community text number? How does it work? Well, today's your lucky day. Go to community.com and go get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using texting. People just text you at the number, they're added to the group, and then you can text them out audios, video links, 
anything you want. Like you already know, I text out podcast links, random things about life. I text out surprises, all the things that I don't post anywhere else except my rehabber text community. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly to you. And guess what? Now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your number. They'll give you a 10-digit real phone number. Not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than just a number, y'all. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS texting. This means you can actually manage your text links from your community and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts at certain times to certain groups. It even comes with auto-replies, so many things. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your phone number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for just that. So go to check them out at community.com. That's community.com. Let's get it. Hey, I want to make sure you got my phone number. Like for real, for real. No kidding. Did you even know that I have a community text number? And if you don't, where have you been? So go ahead, take out your pen and paper, take out your phone and write this number down. My phone number is 817-242, yep, 2719. I'm repeating for you, 817-242-2719. People always ask, Trent, how did you get that community text number? How does it work? Well, today's your lucky day. Go to community.com and go get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using texting. People just text you at the number, they're added to the group, and then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. Like you already know, I text out podcast links, random things about life, I text out surprises, all the things that I don't post anywhere else except my rehabber text community. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly to you, and guess what? Now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your number. They'll give you a 10-digit real phone number. Not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than just a number, y'all. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS texting. This means you can actually manage your text links from your community and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts at certain times to certain groups. It even comes with auto-replies, so many things. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your phone number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for just that. So go to check them out at community.com. That's community.com. Let's get it.